This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Leo Batari. He is the author of What Anyone Can Do, How Surrounding Yourself with the Right People Will Drive Change, Opportunity, and Personal Growth. Great to have you with us, Leo. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much. So full disclosure, when I, when I received the book, I thought to myself, <laughs> is this based on personal experience? Were you surrounding yourself with the wrong people, <laughs> which didn't lead to all of these positive things? Is that the genesis of the book? Uh, no, not necessarily, okay. but... Um, <laughs> There's no question. I mean, think about our parents, right? They always cared about who we hung around with as kids. And it really doesn't change much uh, when we're adults. So um, much of this is really a follow-on to the first book that I co-authored with Leon Shapiro uh, called The Power of Peers. And it was basically how and why formal peer groups for CEOs and business leaders just work so well and they're so effective. Okay. This book really kind of... um, jumps off from that and basically says, look, let's look at all the people we surround ourselves, not just our peers, and also to do it outside of just a formal peer group setting. It's how we engage one another every day. And I think oftentimes people don't necessarily do a great job of reaching out to others when they need help. They kind of engage in life like it's a solo pursuit. Right. And um, that doesn't always serve us really well. No, for sure. So when you say reaching outside of your peer group, what does that mean in a nutshell? Just people that aren't parents or kids or or, teachers or, you know, all that whole group of people that surround us. You know, if we think about the power of peers and we looked at formal peer groups, they were essentially like, you know, all CEOs or all small business owners or all key executives. So in this case, of course, we're surrounded by a lot of people, you know, in our lives, all who have great influence on us. And I think the more positive people we can surround ourselves with and the more that we tap into that incredible power that's all around us, the more effective we're going to be as individuals. Um, You know, one of the things that uh, we talk about in the book, it's not unlike the airline safety instructions, Mm -hmm. right? You put the oxygen on yourself before you give it to others. And I think that's kind of what we need to do, too. It's kind of getting ourselves clear on what's good for us, what's uh, right, you know, for us and put us in a position where we can really help other people. But what was that aha moment when you realized, okay, now we've, we've sort of covered everything in the peer group with your first book with Leon, but then what, when did you realize you were missing something? There was that, that gap. So yeah. Speak. So for a good year, year and a half, uh, after the power of peers came out, I was speaking all over the country mm-hmm. and really learning so much from people about what they were getting out of peer groups, but also, with every conversation, there was always something about, you know, other people that influenced them and what their circles were. So I actually had a podcast during 2017 called The Year of the Peer, and it was kind of a follow-on to 
the book. But again, that conversation expanded over time to include all of the people we surround us. And I had these incredible guests who were hugely successful. And every time I asked one of them, hey, did you get where you are today all by yourself? And they would laugh, right? And in fact, you know, there were just countless people that made a difference in their lives. And now they not only try to reciprocate, but they also really work to pay it forward. And I think the more that we can do that as a society, um, the better off we're going to be. So why put this on paper? Do you find that there's a need, sort of this, this message you want to get across to people that you're not you're not using you know your your social you know strength I guess maybe is a way to put it you're not flexing your social you know muscles in the best way possible to maximize the benefit I guess I think there's something to be said when 92 percent of people according to a University of Scranton study fail at their New Year's resolutions mm -hmm. there's something a little bit right? we should look at yeah. you know with that right so think about the fact that most of us when we think about a New Year's resolution it's something we want for ourselves and not we're not trying to make the Olympics before the end of the year we may just try to lose five pounds or begin the process of learning a language or doing something like that and unfortunately though left to our own devices we often get off to a really good start but then we kind of rationalize and come up with whatever excuses mm -hmm. that, hey, are you still pursuing that goal? No, nah, I didn't really have time to do that. Yeah. And that, unfortunately, um, so what anyone can do, if you think about the title, because um, I'm asked that all the time because it's such a you know interest, bizarre right. title in some ways. But what anyone can do actually comes from a line in a book that Joe Henderson, who used to write for Runner's World, he was a mm -hmm. senior editor there for a while. And his whole thing when he was writing about running, but also just about life in general, he said, when you look at most people who are really successful, it isn't that they're capable of like superhuman feats and they can do things no one else can do. So the fact is they just do the things anyone can do, but most of us never will. Hmm. So it kind of made me think about the fact that anybody can surround themselves with really good people. And when you do that, they can help you do those little things that anyone can do far more often. And I think there's um, uh, just a lot uh, out there to suggest that I think that all of us um, can get a lot more of what we want out of life if we just do a better job accessing the people around us and listening right. to support. Tapping into that. And, and in your in your podcast, is that is that what you, was that your finding that people really had to tap into these resources, but it but it was a voluntary. Totally. Right. I mean, oh, you totally. really had to go after it. Yeah. And I think, you know, asking for help or, or making yourself vulnerable in that way is a real act, I think, of both courage and generosity. It's vulnerability. You know? It really yeah, is. It mm -hmm. sure is. And I think that um, we all realize when we do make ourselves vulnerable, there's a number of stories I tell in the book that are definitely I wish I could have that back mm -hmm. um, type stories. But I think if I'm asking people to be vulnerable in terms of reaching out to others, I wanted to try to do that in many of the stories, you know, I told as well, which are not all successes by any stretch yeah. of the imagination, but this is where we learn. Right. And I think if we learn from one another and realize we're kind of all in this together, and if we can help one another and raise each other up and be successful, uh, it's both for business, our personal lives, really all over. Why do you think people, Leo, are so resistant to asking for help? We, I think, think about, so when I was in school, for example, this is changing a little bit now, um, thank goodness, but when I was in school, it was the whole idea of um, Linda Darling-Hammond, who's probably one of the top education experts in the world, was on my podcast, and she and I were talking about collaborative learning. And I told her that that was called cheating when I went to school, basically, <laughs> was <it>? right? <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah. it, you know, everyone's shielding their paper from other people and all that. Well, in a test, an exam situation. Yeah, right. and most of the learning was that way. It's the teacher talking to the class as a class, but right. it was very much what you as an individual could memorize and what you could do. Mm -hmm. And we went to the workplace. There was a lot of talk of team, but our compensation and our reviews and all of that 
that are very much about you as the individual. Right. So we're not always where well, we weren't, I think, and as I said, I think it's getting a little better now, always taught to really understand how to work together. We definitely were never told that we could have real conversations with people. I mean, what was the thing your parents probably told you? Never have conversations with anybody about politics or religion, because that's mm -hmm. like, you know, mm -hmm. it sets us up that that conversation isn't an opportunity to learn. It's just an opportunity for a fight, right, for <laughs> or an right. argument. And, uh, and that's unfortunate. Yeah. And I think we miss learning opportunities like that. And I yeah. think the more that we can be open and vulnerable with one another sure. um, and rely on one another, the better we're all going to do. Yeah, I, I just picking up on what you just said, I, I love the idea of, you know, people shy away from conflict. I mean, I think conflict is a harsh word. I always say that if we all had the same opinions, life would be boring, right? I mean, it's great to be in a in a, an organic conversation where, you know, you're on one side, I'm on the other, and we completely disagree. But the fact that that's exciting to me. And we all may be fighting for the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the stories I tell in the book is I worked at an uh, agency in Boston called Mullen. And today it's, it's Mullen Low. And the culture there was very combative. Mm. But we weren't fighting against one another. We were actually fighting for the best idea. Right. We had a lot of people committed to one another to create the best advertising in the world. It's why they joined that agency. And so when you have conflict that is has that type of spirit to it, it can be very powerful and very productive. Yeah. C-Suite Radio. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, something I wanted to ask you about is, you know, as I'm reading the book, how do you know you're surrounding yourself with the right people? In other words, Leo, how do you know who the right people are? That's a good question. First of all, you've got to be clear on what it is you want. Mm -hmm. And that can start with just having a conversation with one or two people who you're close to, where you just kind of figure out. Oftentimes, we're not always really good about saying, here are my dreams. Here's, a, here's what I want to do. You know, kind of the idea of the temerity that someone would say, I want to change the world. Mm -hmm. Well, if you do, let's talk about that, mm -hmm. right? As opposed to having people feel embarrassed about it. Right. So I think getting started there and just knowing what your goals are. And once you have this dream and maybe you break it down into some smaller goals, it's essential, I think, at that point to just, um, you know, start the process, you know, just really start thinking about what can we do now? What does that look like as mm -hmm. far as what has to happen in order to make some of these things possible? And, you know, I think there's just great opportunity there for us. I don't know what your feeling is on this, but do you think other people really want to see others succeed? I mean, I feel like we, we're living in, in interesting times right now where it's competitive, you know? Yeah, you know, I want to get ahead and I'll do whatever, I'll step on whoever I need to to get there. Part of what um, I think is essential is that we don't look at life as a zero-sum game. Yeah. Like some people do, no question about it, but I think when we think in terms of abundance versus mm -hmm. scarcity, um, it helps us a lot. There's actually a... Um, 
um, little exercise I do and, and with CEOs mm -hmm. where I have them thumb wrestle actually as part of this, right? So the way that the game goes essentially is I'll say, look, here's a fictional $100,000 that um, someone wins if they get the most pins. So I pair them off mm -hmm. and um, I give them 30 seconds and all of a sudden I go and uh, talk to them in the end and I say, how many pins did you get? How many did you get? How many did you get? And we go around the room and you might hear like one or two or four. And then someone says, I got 30. I said, why'd you get 30? Right. And he said, because we looked at that and said, hey, I'm going to let you beat me 30 times and we're going to split the money. Okay. Smart. Collaboration beats competition Clever. every time. So you get not only 30 pins instead of the one or two because you're fighting one another. And this goes, I think, is very true. Think about sales teams and organizations where it's set up oftentimes in a competitive ladder. Who's the top salesperson and all that? Yeah. At the same time, you've got to also, I think, build a really collaborative environment where if someone's really good at prospecting or closing or talking about a good, um, you know, talking about a product or service in a particularly effective way, get those folks to help one another. Think about how do we work together to make the pie bigger, not just fight for our slice of it. And make the case, I think, that it isn't, we're not asking you to help other salespeople just to be generous and because we think it would be great for the company. We believe every one of you is going to make more money if you do that. And I, sit, I think if we start seeing the world more in that way, um, then I think it's uh, mm -hmm. really powerful. So who'd you write the book for, Leo? Is this for the C-suite executive? Is this for the boss and a company? Or is this is this for targeted towards uh, someone for personal development? I think both. And I think we expanded the audience in that way. In the same way that um, the, the first book, as I said, was you know the power of these peer groups for CEOs and business leaders. I think the power of peers in our everyday lives is really important. So the idea of the title, What Anyone Can Do, mm -hmm. the use of Ryan Foland, who's an incredible you know cartoonist, every chapter has yes, some of his illustrations. Say, I, you have great illustrations. Oh, there's so much fun. Yeah. But it makes the content really approachable. It is, and I yeah. think that's what's really powerful for, you know, it's what anyone can do. Someone can look at this. They see can do as the big letters in this mm -hmm. thing. They think, well, I'm anyone, you know, yeah. and they start looking at what are some of the things, small things that I can do in my life? We're not asking people to leap tall buildings in a single bound. We're, mm -hmm. we're suggesting that there are some small things you could do, starting with enlisting the help of others, that could make a huge difference. So I'm curious how uh, social media plays into your book, because it's all about surrounding yourself with the right people. But look, we live in a digital world of profiles where your profile really isn't you know, that's the person you're putting out to the world, but who really are you? And a lot of times it's who, who you really are is not who you are on, on the computer. So how do you navigate? I think one of the things that's really changing about social media is instead of people being so concerned about having a gajillion Twitter followers um, or, you know, a lot of, um, uh, you know, connections on LinkedIn or Facebook or friends and all that, um, they're very much thinking about how do I engage people in deeper conversations, but in smaller numbers. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're seeing a lot of that. Um, Dan Hoffman, for example, who wrote the foreword uh, for mm -hmm. this book, runs a company called Circles, where he's essentially created a platform that, while in some respects you might look at it and think, well, it's, it's like WebEx or GoToMeeting or Zoom or right. something like that. He would argue that those are really good presentation platforms, but not necessarily conversation platforms. So I think a lot of what he's about to do, and I think a lot of what um, you know, 
healthcare groups and a lot of organizations around the country are doing are figuring out a way to allow people to have deeper conversations about things that matter to them so they can help one another. And I think the more uh, that we do that and kind of democratize that whole uh, process, I think the better it's yeah. going to be for everyone. You mentioned uh, circles, a quote in the book that struck me, building your dream team. You talk about keeping squares outside of your circle. What did you mean by that? Uh, that's uh, Raphael Gordon's line, keeping mm -hmm. squares out of your circle. And basically what he says is, you know, you talked about how do you know if you're surrounding yourself with the right people? Well, sometimes they may not, they might be the right people right now, but maybe not a year from now or two years from now. Your goals change. You know, so you evolve and, and those things happen. So Raphael Gordon talks about kind of taking inventory of who are the people we are surrounding ourselves with and are they making a positive difference in our lives or do we have people who are naysayers and who aren't a good influence on us. Sure. We're not saying dump your friends necessarily. Mm -hmm. However, I think when we think about certain goals and things that we want to do, I think you want to enlist the people who are going to be um, the most positive about that. And not just in terms of encouragement. It could be technical advice. It could be just holding you accountable in some way. Whatever role you want that person to play. Um, yeah. Again, I think it's proven to be really powerful. Yeah, for me, I mean, it just kind of resonated with me in terms of alignment. Um, Raphael's you know, a great guy. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I'll take your word for it. Um, you know, we're out of time, but the book's very interesting. There's so much to get to, but you know, there's just little little nuggets that stood out for me. Make goals, not holes. Uh, you talk about good givers or great getters, which is why you have to read the book to, to find out what that means. But um, in the last couple of seconds, you gave me this real quickly. What, I what, did. Was, what was this movement about? I'm going to put so, this on my wrist. We have uh, the What Anyone Can Do wristband. Right. And what it's Says is that if I have a goal, it keeps this goal right in front of me and ever present. Uh, it will remind me that as I run into people and I think, hey, maybe this person could help me with that goal, and I'll ask them about that. It'll prompt that mm -hmm. conversation. In the same way, if I see someone wearing one of these and I see Taryn, I'm going to say, Taryn, what uh, goal do you have and how can I help you? I love it. And I think it just uh, a nice device just to uh, prompt a good conversation. Yeah, no, it is. It's a, it's a conversation starter and um, sort of spreading the word. So thank you for the bracelet. Thank you for the book. It's terrific. And uh, like you said, it's what anyone can do. So it's like we're, we're all a part of the experiment. We're all a part of the equation. Um, so congratulations and thank you for being here. Well, thank you. If you'd like more information on the book, just check out our website, csweetbookclub.com, c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.